0: Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 119, 57 through 64. You are my portion, Lord. I have promised to obey your words. I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I have considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statues. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. Though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. The earth is filled with your love, Lord. Teach me your decrees. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Journey. You can have a seat. Um, I also, I guess I'll go ahead and introduce myself. It's been a couple weeks since I've been here, um, and I see some new faces. So my name is Valerie. Um, I am one of the pastors. And um, I also have a picture to show. My husband is on sabbatical. Um, he now is in Colorado waiting for the next group of guys Um out and join him, but he has had a great, um, a fast, but a great one. He is. So and I was thinking about this morning. I thought, I think when we sent him out, I prayed that he would go fishing and catch something. So I had this picture because he did, he went fishing and he caught something. Um, so he's having a great time. So all everyone that's prayed for him or asked about him or well wishes from, he has had a great time. So thank you all very much. He's, he's, he's enjoying sabbatical. Um, I'm going to get started, and we have, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, um, you can take it down now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> take it down. Thank you. <laughs> um, but the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about God in our everything, um, God in our food, God in our play, God in our work, God in our fellowship. And as I was, um, I'm, I, w- I was in the back a couple of times, so I, I haven't always been in service, but I, I hear them after. Um, and as I was listening to them, I love hearing the stories, and I don't want to like I don't want to start naming names because I know that I'll forget somebody. But just the stories from work, and the stories from play, and the stories, the fellowship. Seeing, um, I was here. I was in the nursery when you guys had um, the fellowship. You were eating. I just love watching everyone just talk and communicate and hang out and laugh and pray and cry. It just brings me so much joy. Um, today we are talking about. God in our family, God in everything, God in our family. Um, these themes, of course, is that God is and should be in the middle of every aspect of our lives. There is no portion in our life, no activity that we do that the Lord is not intrinsically interested in. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read Psalms 119, the portion again, and then I'm going to go ahead and pray. you am to stand up. You are my portion, Lord. I have promised to obey your words. I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I have considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. I will hasten and not, de- not delay to obey your commands. Though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. At midnight, I will rise to give you thanks for, the right- for your righteous laws. I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. The earth is filled with your love, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for this morning. I'm thankful, Lord, for all that we've done up to this point. Um, you're here. You're present. Holy Spirit, your presence is here. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray as, we, um, as I start to communicate and as I start to share, Lord, as I always do, Father, I just pray that you use my words, um, if they're inarticulate, if they're too fast, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter. Like, my words are, the, are like the tool, Father, but, but it can pierce hearts, Lord. It can, it can change lives Your Heavenly Father. And I pray, Father, I'm just praying that as we go about today, hearts are changed. Things are, are rearranged Your Heavenly Father that we give ourselves to you completely, Lord. No distractions, um, no thinking about those families that excited they're gonna leave tomorrow going home, that, that stuff's going to be there. Like, Let us focus this next 20 minutes on you, on prayer, on giving you the glory to our Heavenly Father. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. So, to jump right into it, how do we experience God in our everything? How do we experience God in our family? Number one is we must be utterly dependent on God. God must be our portion. The very first part of that scripture, it says, you are my portion, O Lord. In studying for today, I discovered, when I was studying, I um, came across that small little sentence, Um, the small little bit of scripture, are the words of a satisfied soul. The psalmist is satisfied with the portion received, and that portion is the Lord himself, not the Lord and, not the Lord plus play. Not the Lord and work. Not the Lord. It's just the Lord. We need to be satisfied with our portion, which is the Lord. Charles Spurgeon said, and it observes that this portion of Scripture was a broken sentence. The translators have mended it by insertions, but perhaps it had been better to have left it alone. And then it would have appeared as an exclamation, my portion, O Lord. That is it. My portion, O Lord. As I was studying and reading my mind instantly goes to um, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving dinner. Let me, you guys know, if you've heard me talk, I do not enjoy cooking. Um, there is, I was trying to count, there is a total of seven dinners that I love making a year. Seven. I cook more than that, but I love making their seven their seven dinners. Thanksgiving being one of them. So I will ask all of my children, okay, guys, you tell me one, one dish that you want, and I'll make it for us on top of everything else. And Thanksgiving is like those times where, like, typical, like, the typical saying, like you're in the kitchen cooking for like seven hours for it to be done in like 17 minutes. I love it. I love Thanksgiving. And as I was reading this scripture, the it instantly reminded me of Thanksgiving dinner. Because when we sit at our table, my table is full of food. And as each child and, and each one of us, you know, I me and my husband, we all make our plate, we are taking our portion. We are taking the portion that we think is going to fill, up, fulfill us, complete us, satisfy us, satiate that hunger—that is our portion. That's what we choose. There are some times when I will make dinner and just be like a random Tuesday, um, maybe a child's not home or something, and my kids will ask me, "Oh, mom, can you save me a plate?" So when I make them a plate, I never make—I never save enough. You would think I would know by now, but so I'm, I'll save them a plate and I'll put it away. When I get them a portion, it is not enough. It does not satisfy them. It does not. And, and I was thinking, okay, this, stay with me here. This is basically telling us, don't settle for someone's portion for you. I can get my kid's portion. It's not enough. D- don't settle for what the world has for you. Don't settle. Don't covet someone else's portion. The Lord has our portion for us. The Lord is our portion. We have to be, we have to be satisfied in him. He's sufficient. It's not enough what, what the world gives us. He is enough. And this is a very basic analogy. I know that. Um, but the Lord is our portion. He is all our need. He is all that we need. We are satisfied in him, which means, when I think of satisfied, I mean we are content, we are happy, we are pleased, we are gratified, we are cont- content, content may be the right word. We find our living and our breathing in him. This is a longer portion, so I'm going to go ahead and just read it, but excuse me one minute. Acts 17, 24 to 28 says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they, I inserted we, would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Um, back to verse 27 says, "God, this God did this so that we may seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not very far away from any one of us. Here we see God who made the world and everything in it, gives everyone life and everyone breath, and this same God did all of this so that we would seek him, and I love the word perhaps, like perhaps, reach out for him. And of course, if we seek him and reach for him, he is never far from any one of us. The part in there is he is waiting. Perhaps we'll, wait. well, perhaps we'll reach out to him. To me, that is such a pleasant And maybe um, like a reassuring and comforting thought. It's a comforting thought. I have, and I know I've said this before, um, but God is not hiding himself from us. He's not, he doesn't play hide and seek. He's not in the corner. Um, He's not hiding himself. He is right, he's right with us. And he is telling us in this scriptures, in this part of the scripture, and in many other scriptures, that God gave us life. He gave us breath. He gave himself So that perhaps we will seek him, and we know from the scriptures, when we seek him, we will find him. Number two would be, see the blessing, the blessings that our families are. Um, I hope and I would think um, my prayer, I guess I'll say my prayer, is that the the great majority of people in this room um, would describe their family as a blessing. They are, and they are a blessing. However, they can also be challenging. Now, mind you, I didn't say... Our families aren't perfect, but they're a blessing. But they can be challenging. Ken Shigematsu said, "With all of the joys and frustrations, family are family are the ideal place for faith to grow." And we know, according to Dane Ortland, he says faith is turning to Jesus. We should be turning to Jesus. We should be turning. I'll say it again: We should be turning to Jesus. God in my everything. God in my family. We should when we when we are dealing with our our, maybe not, not, per, not, not perfect families, our challenging families, we should be turning to Jesus. Our families um, humble, exhort, frustrate, encourage, exasperate, exhaust, energize. They, bring, they can bring grief. They can bring laughter. They can bring trials. I could probably go on and on. Our families, they are like, and I was thinking like, there's a microcosm, like looking at the like outwardly looking at just my family. It's unique. And there are times when we are fighting, and there are times when we are laughing, and there are times when we are in the middle of a, a fight, we'll be laughing. Like it is just that that's how God made our families. Um, again, Ken Shigamatsu says, of our families, they see our faults and our inconsistencies, our self-flattery and our self-deception. For this reason, our family relationships are a powerful crucible crucible God uses to refine our character. So me being, I have to know what like every one of those words means. So I'm like, okay, what is crucible? I didn't know what it meant. So in case you don't know, crucible is a pot in which metals are heated to a very, very, very high temp. That is not what I would have thought when I was having a family, when I started 25 years, 24 years ago, that's not what you think. Living in it now, that's what a family is. Like, think about that. Our family is a crucible, it's a pot that was intentionally made to heat up, withstand the hot, hot, hot temperatures, to be able to refine our character. Another word for refine, I also like that word, is to sharpen us or to improve us. God uses our families to sharpen us, to improve us, to improve our character. He uses our families to, to, to mold us into to mold us into a more perfect person. God uses our families almost as like a mirror, like if you hold a mirror in front of yourself, it shows you everything. Um, God uses our families like that, and it's like a family holding a mirror up to our face, and our families show us our insecurities, our self-flattery, our fears, our weaknesses, our shortcomings. All these things we should either be giving to the Lord, all these things our fears, our insecurities, our pride, our weaknesses we should be repenting to the Lord for these things that we hold too closely. So the things that we just hold on to that those families, like, you know, guys, like you know, us, us moms when I was younger, my, my one thing is I wanted that I want and there was a meme that went around, and it was so fitting because um, you know, school's starting soon. And when my kids were younger, about two weeks out from school, I was, my plan was start prepping them to go to school, like to get ready for school. So I put them to bed like half an hour earlier every night. It never worked. They didn't go to bed. I didn't go to bed. I just found myself getting more frustrated that I couldn't get my sleep. Those things are up crucible. It's, it's heating me up so those, those little edges can get knocked off. And the Lord is just using them to knock those little things off. Um those things that we hold on to, the things that we take pride in, the things that we might put in front of the Lord and maybe put in front of our family. Our family, if we listen to them, are extremely great truth tellers. The struggle sometimes, and me being honest and for me, the struggle for me is to actually listen to these things that they're showing me about myself. If I'm not careful, meaning if I'm living in my flesh and living in just my flesh and me, I, get, I can get very offended. I can push back on them, on my husband, on my children. I push back, and I can shut down, and I don't want to hear them. Even though I know they're right, like, they're right. They're right. The Lord is using them to show me, okay, Belle, this needs to change. This needs to change. I can either grow and mature, or I can stay in my stubbornness and stay in my folly. Um, put another way, I have my notes, put another way, I can either remain foolish or I can choose to be wise. What do I want to do? I always want to choose to be wise. and never want to say, like, being foolish is a choice. Like, if you're, if, you're, if you're given two choices to remain foolish, if you don't know, okay, fine. But if someone is saying, here's two choices, this way is easy, comfortable, foolish, and you make that choice, I never want to make that choice. Ronald Ro- Royheiser says... Life in a family humbles us, deflates our ego, puts us in purgatory, and then into heaven. And that is so true. It's all those things. It's like a roller coaster. Gary Thomas asked this question. What if God designed family more to make us holy, more than to make us happy? It's amazing. What if if God, what if God? And I was thinking about, like, when I had John Michael... I think 24 years ago, um, I never would have thought about that. I never would have thought, okay, Lord, you're giving me this family, not, not to make me happy, but you're giving me this family to make me holy. And looking at it that way, again, God in our everything, looking at it that way, that's what he wants from us to do. Ken Shigematsu, and all this is coming from um, his book called God in My Everything. He, he asks this question, what if the primary purpose of our family is to purify us into the people God wants us to become, not to have all of our immediate needs met. Remember the whole crucible thing. Our families are a crucible. They are meant to fire and, and, and withstand heat and, and, and burn off the edges and make us into this beautiful, I was thinking, it wasn't in the notes, but I was thinking, I think, um, like wedding, wedding rings. Like I think that's how this is made. I don't know. In my brain, that's how it's made. So you take this metal and you shrink it down or you melt it down and it becomes this beautiful ring, this thing of beauty. That's what our families are. If we let God be in everything. Number three, and I'm almost done. Number three is trust the Lord. Henry Nouwen says, When I trust deeply that today God is truly with me and holds me safe in a divine embrace, guiding every one of my steps, I can let go of my anxious need to know how tomorrow will look or what will happen next month or next year. I can be fully where I am and pay attention to the many signs of God's love within me and around me. There are so many things. There are so many things that we cannot control. There are so many things if we tried to hold on to something, we, a lot of times it's, we just can't hold on to it. It's like, a, it's like that fish or that shark, it's actually, it was a shark, it was a shark, it's like that shark, you just can't hold it anyway. Um, There are so many things that we cannot do. If I tried, I think I could probably like count the number of things that we can't actually control, versus the number of things that we just can't control. Make sure, hold on guys. Um, So I did mention school, and it's funny that Pascual mentioned November, um, and it's the typical like, when our kids go back to school, like where does summer go? Like, Fourth of July came, and then we just know it's gonna it's gonna go down from here. Um, I won't tell you how many days you guys may know how many days I know how many days we have till school starts, but it's less than it's less than two weeks. Like, that's insane. Um, I love the summer. I love my kids being home. You know, I love not so much kids being home, but I love just the laid back, just the ease, a slower pace. It's just a it's like the whole summer is just a pace and i still work but it's just a summer it's like um it's like um what i think of like a sunday lived out every day of the week like my sundays are very easygoing. that's how my summer is however the thought of school starting the sca- our schedules getting crazy the commitments um the fast pace of school time i do not like it It doesn't matter that I don't like it, no one asked me if I liked it. I know, okay, my children have to be, my children. When I say my children, I have one that's in school. My child has to be in school, I don't have a choice. I've gotta get her to school in the morning. Ken Shigematsu in his book said, reminded me of this basic principle. If you don't intentionally set the priorities in your life, life's events will prioritize your life for you. And I was reading that and I read it already, I read it before, it didn't hit me. But when I was reading it yesterday, I thought, okay, because, because school is right here. And I thought, okay Val, you have to set the priorities for your life. So this is kind of like a little side tangent. What will your priority be? What will it be? If we, if I am not careful, and by careful I mean if I don't intentionally set the priorities in my life, I will find myself being carried along with life instead of living my life. My life will be, I will go with life, but I will not live it. I will not have a choice. I will be frustrated. I will be burnt out. I will, I will not live my life. And I do not want that. I do not want it. My prayer, my prayer, I'll say it now, my prayer for us and for everyone in here that has children um, going to school, like even those very fresh, you know, incoming kindergartners, my prayer is that this year, you prioritize your life. You don't let the life happen to you, that you set boundaries, that you say no to things that don't need to be done. Um, I'm going to pray, and I'll pray maybe before we go break. I'm going to pray against guilt, pray against mom guilt. All these things are what we let happen to us because we have not intentionally set priorities for our life. Um, so back to my thoughts. Um, And and I know this is talked about before. I know it has. I probably have talked about it, um, but I do think it bears repeating that God in my everything means God is literally involved. He is at the center. He is in every aspect of my life. There is no burden, no worry, no thought that is too big for him, just as there is no burden, no worry or thought that is too small for him. I think we we make it too big or we make him too small. Like, he is too big up there to worry about um, something petty. In my mind, it would be petty. Or he is too... We don't say this, but maybe in our brain, we're thinking, he's too small to worry about to take care of this grand big thing. Um, This past week, I was talking to somebody at work about naps. Um, And we were talking about, like, can you take a nap? Do you not take a nap? Blah, blah, blah. Um, And she said that she didn't like napping, and her reason for not, like, napping was she was afraid that she was... Um, for the fear of missing out on something that may be happening in her house. She didn't She didn't take naps. Um, at one time, I also didn't take naps I, for different reasons. Um, I will nap now, but it let me hear... like, let me hear one of the girls downstairs making, making food or come in and see if I want to watch Gilmore Girls. I'm up, and I'm in... like, I'm right there with them. Like, I also don't want to miss out. I think this and again this is a very small like example but when i think of the lord in our life i feel like this is what he does he is there and he is waiting for us to perhaps reach out to him and of course he's available he is there and he's like he's just waiting and he's just waiting i don't he's not sleeping he's waiting he's always present he's always like always there always watching always listening but he is waiting for us and how many times have we gone about our day and, and not even noticed, he is there waiting for us. He is there waiting for us, perhaps, to reach out to him. Um, last week, as Pastor show said, last week we heard from some of our youth that came back from um, camp, and the, camp was, the camp's theme was, yes, we can. We say yes. We say yes. We say yes. I knew it was we say yes. We say yes. We say yes. So the, the kids came up here and they said, what do you say yes to? And as I was watching and, and kind of like going, going back and looking at it, and when I was watching, um, my daughter was up here and she was kind of talking about it. And I thought, like the Lord was dealing with me about that also. And then when I was writing my notes down, um, I was thinking, what do we need to say yes to? What do we need to say yes to? What are you holding back that you don't even realize you're holding it back. You don't even realize it. With our mouths, you are saying yes, like you're saying, sure, Lord, take it. But internally, in, internally, it's like holding on to like, you're holding on to it as tight as you can and you're not letting it go. And he is saying, I can take care of this, I can do it. With our actions, we're saying, not yet, Lord. I don't think you can do it, I think I can do it better. Which, honestly, what we're really saying is, Lord, I don't trust you. I don't trust you with this. This is too important. Even though we know he's Lord, this is just too important. I don't, I don't know that I trust you, Lord. I think, and I've said this before, I think I can do it better. I think it's so important that let me just try. And he's saying, again, he's waiting there. He's saying, let me have it. Perhaps, perhaps you will call for me because we, my, me and my, and my flesh and my weakness think I can do it better, but I know The Lord can do it so much better than me. I know that he can. What do we need to say yes to? Jenny, come up here and help me.